middle of the country, but not middle of the road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. Wichita, Kansas, and beyond with Tommy Castor and Weston Mills. This is Keeper of the Games. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Keeper of the Games. We are the wildly underqualified yet mildly entertaining podcast all about sports in the air capital of Wichita, Kansas, and beyond. Back for another episode. I'm Tommy Castor along with Weston Mills. And, uh, you know, the dad life for Weston continues. How sleep deprived are you today, Weston? May fall asleep mid-episode, but we're going to keep riding through it. That's what you got to do in the dad life. That's awesome. Uh, Are you maybe a tad bit more prepared on sports topics this week than you were last week, or is that asking too much? Yeah, you know what? Actually, it's kind of actually wrapped in a little bit with the dad dad life. I've taken morning shift on the feedings, and uh, while I'm feeding her, rocking her back to sleep, a lot of good Twitter time to catch up and see what's going on in the (laughs) sports world. So, So we're a lot better this week. Well, that's awesome to hear. We want to remind all of you to hit subscribe. That way, anytime we have a brand new episode of the podcast, you'll get a notification. You can listen to us on all major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, basically anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, you can find Keeper of the Games right there. You can also go to our new website, cogsports.com. That's K-O-G-Sports.com, where you can listen to archived episodes, watch videos, find out more about the podcast, and a whole lot more. Uh, and of course, you can watch full videos of our episodes on YouTube and Facebook just by searching for Keeper of the Games. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod at K-O-G Pod. So in keeping with our uh, our tradition here on Keeper of the Games, kicking off the show with the guest as often as we can. That's what we're doing here again on this episode of Keeper of the Games. And and Weston, I'm, I'm really excited about our, our guest today. I don't know about you. I'm sure you are as well. Um, we have actually Actually, we've we, we've talked to Aaliyah uh, all the way back before we even launched the podcast. In fact, I reached out to her before we even launched Keeper of the Games yep. because I wanted to make sure that we weren't doing something that was going to be stepping on anybody's toes in Wichita. And so uh, I was really pleased that we we got the blessing of Aaliyah, and now we've had a chance to get her here on the podcast here today. Uh, so we want to welcome Aaliyah Funshell here to Keeper of the Games. She is uh, an insider. She's a vlogger. She is a talk show host. Uh, you can check her out at sportswithalia.com. We've got her uh, here on the podcast to talk all things Wichita State Shocker basketball. So, Aaliyah, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we are so thrilled to have you here. We've got a lot that we want to get to uh, here in the next little while on the podcast as it relates to Shocker basketball. Obviously, the Wichita State basketball season kicks off about a week from now. I mean, we're not that far away from the start of uh, the college hoop season in Wichita. But before we get to an outlook on the upcoming Shocker season, obviously the elephant in the room, the topic that everybody in the air capital have been talking about for the last month and a half and really not just in Wichita but the world of college basketball been talking about for the last month and a half is the situation regarding Greg Marshall and Wichita State University so uh, it was on Tuesday that it was announced that Greg Marshall would be parting ways with with Wichita State University he resigned on Tuesday received a buyout of nearly eight million dollars and Isaac Brown will now be leading the Shockers this season as their interim head coach so Aliyah I know that you are pretty well connected in uh, in the Shocker program. Um, what, what's your what's your sense of what's happening right now uh, with Wichita State and that program moving forward? 
Yeah, I mean, the news really didn't shock me after all of the allegations came out because really it was a lose-lose situation to keep him at Wichita State at this point. Regardless of what the investigation actually found, there's also the court of public opinion. So even if he was innocent, the public doesn't necessarily think he might be. So I think that there was really no situation where I could have seen him staying. And so I think what came to a surprise to me the most was I'm in sports law at Columbia University right now. So I, we deal a lot with contracts and cases about this type of thing. And I think just the word they used around it, I mean, there's such a big difference between parting ways, firing, and resigning. And if Wichita State would have used the word fired, then they have boosters that are going to back out. They have people that are angry um, that were on Coach Marshall's side. And um, with Coach Marshall saying that he resigned, that looks better for him in the future if he were to want to coach again because it makes him look more innocent. And then it also saves Wichita State because the boosters that were backing Coach Marshall, they can't be as mad because Wichita State didn't fire him. So I think I was just most surprised with how they went about it because I knew it was going to be coming. I just didn't know how. So I think that's what kind of shocked me the most was that they use the word resign and that they are giving him that buyout. Yeah, I mean that's a really good point. I you know I think what surprised me quite a bit uh, is just the the way that the process sort of drug out. And now obviously there was an investigation that had been going on, and uh, you know it had been in progress for quite a while. And you can't rush these decisions, um, you know. But obviously the the timing is not good at all, considering that we're about a week away from the start of the of the basketball season at, at Wichita State. Weston, I'd love to know you know if if you have as an attorney. I mean I know you're not a sports attorney, uh, but as an attorney, if you have any thoughts on the way that it was all worded and sort of the the way that the, the Shockers and Greg Marshall uh, chose to at least part ways. Yeah, this is, uh, so this is actually quite up my realm because I, you know, I've talked on this podcast before I started my legal career in employment law, um, which is really where, where these things come down to. Um, you know, I, pretty much anytime these things happen, you're, it, it's pretty standard um, you know, to have like a no reapply, no rehire. Uh, we're going to shape the terms of what can be said later on. Uh, that is, that's very standard. Uh, with that being said, I do think that I think that Marshall must have had some leverage in order to get eight million and have Wichita State say resign. Now, there could be two things here, Tommy. You mentioned. And we have, and you were very clear when you said this, this is just your thought process, not some sort of source or suggestion, um, but that there was some knowledge going on from the Wichita State Athletic Department, that they knew this behavior was going on. That would be a little bit of leverage there for Greg Marshall to uh, say, hey, I'm going to take my money or this is all coming out and we're all going down together. Um, that's kind of one of the things that I, I I quickly thought, but I I think I think Aaliyah's right, definitely in the sense that they're you know they are saying resign, they're not saying that he was terminated. So I think I'm well, I don't think I know that that was negotiated into whatever type of buyout they had in in that terms of of release. So I think that's standard, and and I would be curious to know what that leverage is that at least in my opinion, and maybe I and maybe this is where I haven't seen enough, you know, I just haven't paid attention enough college coach buyouts in these type of situations, not that it's happened a ton, but I would think that getting 8 million 
and getting the university to say you're resigning tells me there's something going on there. Either they weren't sure that he actually did it or someone from Wichita State had knowledge and they didn't want the whole program to go down with it. That's just my thoughts. And the interesting thing about it is that it's going to be difficult for anybody to really know exactly what went down. You know, the the results of that investigation, Wichita State made pretty clear um, it's confidential. It's it's closed. You know, that that report will will not be made public, uh, at least right now. I'm sure that there are probably ways that that could eventually become public or be leaked, you know, down the road. But at least right now, that's not the case. Aaliyah, are you uh, were you surprised at all to hear that dollar amount? I mean, eight million or nearly eight million is is kind of a staggering amount, you know, especially in a situation like this where it wasn't just, you know, um, the shockers that the program had declined and they were, you know, decided to move on and buy out his contract. You know, there were some serious allegations here, regardless of whether or not they were, you know, proven true or false. That's still a pretty staggering number. Were you surprised to hear that? Yeah, I was so surprised by the number, um, especially because of the allegations. And of course, I feel like we're not going to figure out if they were true or not um, because they're keeping that under wraps. But I do know that he does have some leverage, um, like Weston was saying, not only with the whole boosters perspective that I gave earlier, but also I, I know for a fact that people knew that they weren't happy with his coaching style. And Greg even said publicly that he had to change the way he coached the newer generation at least three times last year in the season, he talked about how he let Dexter take a leave of absence because mental health is so important and because um, this whole generation of college athletes is just so different than what he's used to. So he's admitted that he had to change his coaching style and that he will continue to have to change it. And not only that, I mean, when the 2018 team, when we had all of those seniors leave and then all of those transfers they had to know something was going on. And I know that I had a lot of friends on that team. That was probably one of my um, years that I was closest to the people, the students in the athletic department. And the whole allegations, it surprised me to hear about the choking, the punching. I can't say if that's true or not. I don't know if that is true. I can't prove it. I, I can't believe just one side. But I do know that There were some athletes that just weren't a fan of his coaching style with the whole maybe verbal stuff or just he is a tough coach. That's not a secret. So I know that there are people in the athletic department that knew of athletes not really being happy. And it's clear even to the public there were athletes that weren't happy. So it's kind of on them for not looking into it. So I definitely think that there's some administration at the top that are being saved by this buyout. Tommy, I think this is a perfect point for me just to get I, – you know, I have to milk this for all it's worth. And I, I don't know if, if Aaliyah probably has not been following us long enough to know, but back in April or April when this stuff started to come out, I said on this podcast that when six or seven players leave the program, something is going on. The mm-hmm. university needs to look into it and that potentially this could cause a termination from Greg Marshall. And I got ridiculed on Twitter. So I am, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm honestly, I'm not happy that I'm right, but I just think the fact that everybody just thought, you know, Oh no, they just don't like how he coaches. You that's, you know, that's one or two players. That's not seven players leaving a program because you're just, you know, a tougher coach than what they prefer. You know, I, I think what you've said many times over, Tommy, is where there's smoke, there's fire. And I, I think that's kind of what we've seen here. 
Uh, you know, I will give you credit where credit is due that one time out of like 800 opinions <laughs> you ever had Fair. on this show that you were correct about something. Um, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm kidding you there. Milk it. Um, exactly. So as far as the overall price tag for Greg Marshall to leave Wichita State, um, this is from the CBS Sports article that came out on Tuesday. One source said that the Shockers initially sought to pay Greg Marshall $2 million to depart the program, but Marshall and his legal team negotiated the buyout to its final number. So, you know, the the, the initial starting point, according to a source, was much, much lower. We all know that, it, you know, this isn't just Greg Marshall. This is college coaches in general have a ton of clout and they have a lot of money. They've got deep pockets and they've got pretty powerful legal teams, you know, and so, uh, you know, Marshall was able to uh, negotiate that. Aaliyah, as far as the, the, the process of rebuilding, the process of where the Shockers go moving forward, obviously we know that Isaac Brown will be the interim coach this season for Wichita State, but Greg Marshall not only was he a very intense coach, but he was kind of a transformative coach too. And, and, you know, he was a gregarious personality. He was a big personality. Everybody knew Greg Marshall in Wichita. Um, in a lot of cases, he was larger than life. Mm -hmm. I think that you could make that argument that he's probably the most powerful and recognizable person in Wichita. At least he was, um, that's got to be difficult as far as just an overall culture change and overall, how do, how do how does Wichita State sort of, I guess, wash their hands and start to move on? You've got a lot of friends that you know that have been part of the program in the past. What What is that process going to be looking like? Yeah, I mean, regardless of where, like, I, I don't know what to believe in the investigation because I know there's truth to both sides. Um, but something I said to John Acebus from KSN last week is people are going to have to feel like it's they're grieving the loss of a family member or a friend. Um, regardless of how tough of a coach he is, I do have to applaud how he was in the community. I mean, I saw so many posts about, oh, Greg Marshall gave my 12-year-old son a call before he went into surgery. And he was so in tune with the community. And I don't think people even realize how smart Greg Marshall is. He he is very attentive to everything that goes on on the court and in the community. Um, he even went up to my parents one time at a social event and told them how much he loves my work and he reads everything. And I'm like, wait, does that mean you have a social media account? But like, he's just so in tune with Wichita. And he was, I honestly tell all of my friends that don't really know Wichita and they ask me about Greg Marshall, obviously before all this happened, I said, he's like the mayor of Wichita. He can go anywhere. He, people love him. Um, and so that's definitely going to be um, a hard thing to adjust to, especially for people that are still Marshall strong. Um, they have to kind of grieve that loss because it's you can't just stay in the past. At the end of the day, he is gone and it is going to be a rebuilding time. Um, but, yeah, that culture that he built in the community is it's going to be it's going to be missed. And um, I am confident that it will get built back up, not even from a playing perspective, but just that whole Wichita State basketball is the biggest thing in Wichita. Like I think that there's potential to build it back up, but this year is going to be hard because people are going to be upset and then the pandemic doesn't help at all. So, um, but there is opportunity for it to get built back up, but it's going to be hard to do and it's not going to come fast. 
Yeah, we know that, uh, you know, obviously there there are a lot of challenges that that are there for sure, you know, moving forward for Wichita State. And if you take a look back at, at last season, you know, the Shockers were, you know, 15 and one to kick off the season. Right. And then obviously the, the conference play started and, you know, things didn't go quite as well for Wichita State when they got into the American conference play uh, last season. Let's take a look at Isaac Brown a little bit. I don't know, Aaliyah, how much you know about Isaac or how familiar you are with him, but from everything that, you know, not only just, you know, people within the program are saying, but former, former players also are saying too, um, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on, uh, on Isaac Brown? Can you repeat the question you cut out for a while? Oh, did I? I'm sorry about that. My bad. Am I back now? Are we good? Yes. Okay, cool. Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. That's my bad. Um, as as far as Isaac Brown is concerned, obviously, you know, he's he's the the interim coach this season for Wichita State. What do you know about Isaac? And, you know, if you go look at former players on Twitter, a lot of them are singing his praises. So uh, what do you know about Isaac Brown? Rightfully so. I think he deserves all the praise in the world. And I don't think he got enough attention back when he was an assistant coach, but even as the media So Greg Marshall would have weekly press conferences leading up to the games, and I've been attending those for four years. And whenever he couldn't do it, it would be Isaac that would step in. And I was just blown away by the amount of knowledge that this man has, not only of the game of basketball itself, but he would do all of the scouting reports. He could watch film and have it memorized and just speak so eloquently about the other team as as if he were the other team's coach. That's how smart he is at reading plays and knowing what the other team is going to do and how to coach his team to play against it. He is just so smart and he is so kind. I can't speak highly enough about him. Like he is an amazing guy and I'm excited to see him. I think he, I think he could have been a head coach easily anywhere else, like at a smaller D1 school. Um, But I think he enjoyed being at Wichita State and coaching under Marshall. So there's a lot of people that are like, oh, he's never been a head coach. He's always been an assistant coach. But he could have definitely had other opportunities to be a head coach because he is such a great coach. And I think the players on a personal level connect with him so much better than even Marshall. So that obviously is going to help as well. Yeah, the previous stops for Isaac Brown before Wichita State, he was at South Alabama for six seasons, um, was at Arkansas for four seasons, Arkansas State for two seasons, and Louisiana Tech for four seasons prior to joining uh, Wichita State. So 19 seasons overall at the D1 level as an assistant coach. So he definitely has uh, the chops in the D1 world, and he'll be taking over the reins for Wichita State for this season as the interim coach. Are you hearing anything, Aaliyah, about what might happen past this season as far as coaching is concerned. There have been a lot of big names that have been dangled already on social media about who the Shockers might target and might go after uh, once this season is complete. Do you have any projections or anything that you've heard that might end up being something that the Shockers might look at? See, I'm not sure. That's where I, I don't really have much information about. And I'm just happy that they didn't try to hire someone right away because that for a while people thought that they were going to hire someone this week. And so I think that it's a great decision on Wichita State's behalf to have him step in and coach because to hire a coach right now would just be absolutely stupid, for lack of a better word of that. But um, I, I really don't know who who they would get. So I'm interested to see that. But it's 
it's going to be a weird fit because people will still have a bad taste in their mouth about the whole situation. So that's hard for any coach to step into. So I'm, I'm interested. I haven't really heard much about that. I think people are just had so much um, focus on the investigation and how they would handle Greg Marshall itself that I haven't heard much buzz around then a few of the names people have been throwing out, but I haven't heard much truth to anything about that. I'm curious to your, your thoughts on, you know, I, I've kind of been one to say that, look, I, I think obviously Greg Marshall was, he was a fantastic coach. I think the shocker program as a whole it, is at a place in which they don't need, I don't know, and this sounds, you know, brash maybe, but they don't need him to be successful. I think the program itself, now that doesn't mean that they can, whoever they throw in there, like, you know, I don't, I, I'm rooting for Isaac Brown and I hope he does well, but that doesn't mean that, you know, whatever coach takes over, it's immediate, immediate success. But I do think the program has built itself up now. It is a spot where they can go and get a good coach, either someone who has a pedigree or someone who, you know, is kind of one of those up and coming names that maybe has other opportunities that sees Wichita state as a hotspot, you know, and I'm kind of curious in, in your, you know, time in your insider role, your, your website role, your sports, I don't know, I guess I'll just say reporter role. Um, you know, have you, have you talked to anybody kind of outside that Wichita bubble and, and, and the, the feeling that they get, and I almost kind of wonder if, you know, us all being very tight into the Wichita circle, maybe we're a little too close to, and we have that opinion, but you know, have you heard about what other folks think outside of Wichita State? Oh yeah, most definitely. Um, so I'm actually a student at Columbia University right now, and unfortunately I'm in Wichita still because of COVID and not on campus, but regardless, all of my professors love that I'm from Wichita. They talk about Wichita State a lot, and I was like, you guys are like the CFO of MetLife Stadium, professors at Columbia University, like, why do you care about Wichita State? So that was a shock to me. But so I've heard a lot from um, my teachers, not necessarily about the Greg Marshall situation, but Wichita State as a whole. And Greg really did put the program on the map, but the program itself and Wichita State did a great job at keeping themselves relevant once they were put on the map. I mean, and that goes even down to the media department. They have a great video content creator. So people um, people know of Wichita now and they respect it. And so I feel like the general outside of Wichita opinion is that they, they see Wichita State as a, a great school and they know that um, it's a great opportunity to really grow even more. So I, but I was just surprised with, um, people actually really do care about the program. And I think that goes beyond what coach Marshall does, obviously what he did to get it there and what the players did to get it there was the most important part. But I think that the department such as the media department or um, even the school itself did a great job at sustaining that relevancy. So I, I don't think they'll have a problem with falling off. They'll definitely, like you said, still be relevant. You know, and the other thing I think too is, you know, I think the program is of one. I think a lot of younger fans that have really that have come on, you know, in the Ron Baker, Fred, Fred Van Vliet era that really, you know, had that great run. They kind of just know Greg Marshall. So it, it, to me, I, I think a lot of younger fans, you know, this feels or I shouldn't even say younger, younger or new, newer fans you know, feel like this Greg Marshall hit, you know, is so big to the program and it's really going to hurt them. You know, and I kind of think of, you know, I'm not, Tommy's probably old enough to remember Xavier McDaniel, you know, uh, Antoine Carr, those guys, he was probably watching basketball back then. I was not around. Um, 
But that foundation that was built then, and then upon the Mark Turgeon years of, you know, Jamar Howard, BJ Gutenard, <laughs> hey, get out of here with the hot take horn. Um, <laughs> you know, those years I, I have built the foundation for Greg Marshall to, I think, then he took it to the next level. But I think that to my thought is Wichita State basketball, it's here. It's at the next level now, you know, and that's a testament to the, the foundation that was laid and, and really everything that's been done. So, you know, I just I see this program as being in a good spot. And I think they can go out and get somebody with a big name or an up and up and comer and, and recruits are still going to want to go play at Wichita State. And I think that's end of the day. That's that's how you win. Oh, most definitely. And I think if we were still in the Missouri Valley Conference, um, that wouldn't be as easy to do. True. And I was there. I was there for that shift. Like my first year covering the team, I was at the Missouri Valley Championship. I saw the switch to the American Athletic Conference, and that within itself is such a big thing that will elevate it even more, and that makes Wichita such a great spot for coaches or for fans or for players to land at. Um, so that and also, which this kind of sounds silly to say, but since Wichita State doesn't have a football team, when you're a men's basketball player on campus, you are the big man on campus. There's no football team to take all the attention away. And it sounds silly, but it really is a factor for some people. They're like, okay, I want to be the big man on campus. Like I want people to care about men's basketball. I want people at our games. I want a sold out arena. And so since Wichita State's program is pretty much the most exciting sporting event in the city for a lot of people, that helps too. So there's a lot. I'm confident that a coach is going to want to be there and that recruits are still going to want to come regardless of who's coaching or the whole situation that just happened. And I'd like to make it clear that I was not watching basketball when Xavier McDaniel and Antoine Carr were playing. I am not nearly that old. Um, but I, I do remember the, the Mark Turgeon years, you know, I was in college when Mark Turgeon was the coach. Um, you know, I remember the, the sweet 16 run that Mark Turgeon had, but other than that, I mean, even prior to that, you know, shocker basketball was, was second rate compared to shocker baseball, you know, shocker baseball was where it was at. Um, and, and so I, I've, I've had a lot of people that have, you know, accused me of being overly critical of Greg Marshall during this period. And I'm not going to lie. Some of his personality did rub me the wrong way, mm -hmm. especially towards the end. And I think he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but I can never deny the success that he had on the program and just the overall change in culture he had in this city as well. I mean, you never saw the the rabid shocker basketball fans like you saw when Greg Marshall was the coach at Wichita State. So you can never understate that at all and the impact that he had on the community, the impact that he had on the university. And so I do agree that he has set the bar high, but I think that especially considering now that Wichita State is in the American Conference they've got the opportunity to continue that level of excellence that Greg Marshall brought in, you know, when he came to Wichita 13 years ago. And it's not, it's not like, you know, Greg Marshall is leaving the cupboard dry either the cupboard bare, you know, there are some key returning players for Wichita state this season. Dexter Dennis is back. Trey Wade is back. Tyson Etienne is back. Uh, so Aaliyah, I I'd love if you've got some knowledge on what we can expect from this Wichita state shocker crew this season on the court. Obviously there've been a ton of off, off the court distractions, a new coach a week before the season, uh, pandemics going on. So it's kind of hard to make a prediction, but what do you think we'll see from the shockers this season? Yeah. Um, I'm not as much in tune with the new recruits as I'd like to be because I kind of 
with graduating from Wichita State and thinking I'd be in New York City right now, I was like, okay, I kind of have to distance myself so that all of my readers know that I do other things other than Wichita State. But I know personally, like Dexter Dennis, amazing leader, Tyson Etienne, he has been loyal to this program since day one. Even when um, everyone was leaving, he made a post saying that he was staying and he believes in the vision of Greg or the Shockers. And um, so not only on the court, but off the court, they are just phenomenal people, the leaders that we have next year. Um, and I'm excited to see what they do on the court because Dexter, he he could have easily left for the draft. I know that without a March Madness, it's hard for him to get his name out there. So it's great that he'll be back for another season because I think he is NBA material. And Tyson Etienne, he is smart on the court. So he is a playmaker. He is a floor general. So I'm excited to see his elevated leadership um, translate to the court. And then Josephette, um, he had to sit out last year, but um, with an injury, but he is going to be a big factor as well. The big man on the floor, uh, Morris Udeze will be back. So I'm excited. And I think that they've kind of been through a lot um, as at their time here. I mean, they, they were the new class when everyone else transferred. So they had to deal with that. And then they had to deal with the pandemic and then everyone else leaving. So I think that they've faced quite a bit of adversity already and I think that they handled it with grace so I think that um they won't skip a beat especially because Wichita State did not hire a brand new head coach so I think Isaac Brown will really help because they all love him you all see the former former players saying how much they love him too so I think that they won't face too much um I mean they face a lot of adversity but I don't think it'll get to them some of the new players to keep our eyes on for uh, Wichita State, as far as the transfers are concerned, Craig Porter Jr. is a junior college transfer in uh, for Wichita State. Alterate Gilbert, of course, a lot of people are talking about him as he's a um, the, the senior, the fifth year senior transfer in from UConn. Uh, and then a couple freshmen to keep our eyes on as well. Ricky Council the fourth uh, is a freshman mm-hmm. guard. Chauncey, uh, Chauncey Jenkins is a freshman guard. Jaden Seymour is a freshman forward. So there are some new players coming in for Wichita State that should get uh, some minutes for Isaac Brown's crew. That's still weird to say uh, when, when the season kicks off here in about a week. The last thing that I want to mention, I know we talked about some really good things and what we can look for from the Shockers, but I guess another, I guess another small piece of of negative news is that Sterling Chapman, who was a, a commit for Wichita State, decommitted in the middle of this Greg Marshall investigation, and within the last twenty four hours, has recommitted to Tulsa, which is hard and I don't want to be critical of a local guy like Sterling Chapman, but it's hard when you decommit and then you recommit to that school's rival. Any thoughts on, on that, Aaliyah? Uh, well, he is a great guy. I've covered him in his high school career and he's such a great guy, such a great family. And I felt so bad for him because I think he came out with his commitment just a few days before the initial investigation yeah. um, news was released. And I was like, oh no, this can't end well. And I honestly didn't know if he had inside knowledge of, okay, is he committing because he knows Marshall is going to be gone or is he committing because of Marshall? So um, I really didn't have many expectations for him staying um, because I was like, okay, why did he commit just two days before this came out? Like, did he know this was going to happen? Um, But I, so far I've seen shocker fans have been really respectful of his decision to um, pull away and, I think 
someone, one of the news stations, I think, quoted a family member of him saying that it was heartbreaking for him to have to do that. So I know that the love is still there for Wichita, um, but the fact that he is going to the rival is not fun. But it will still be cool to see him um, play in the American Athletic Conference. So thankfully, I don't think he will get a lot of heat from Shocker fans because they definitely understand the circumstances. Yeah, Sterling Chapman is the reigning 6A player of the year from Campus High School. Of course, Campus had a phenomenal season last year that was cut short uh, due to the pandemic, which was just a bummer for them and a a terrible way uh, for that season to end. And then, of course, everything going on with his commitment and then reopening it back up. And then obviously just in the last 24 hours, uh, committing to Tulsa. Um, So, yeah, you know, definitely, definitely tough for Shocker fans. But, uh, you know, yeah, best wishes go out to Sterling Chapman for sure. Aliyah, we've really appreciated you being on the podcast. If there are people, uh, our listeners that want to find out more about you, they want to follow you or they want to, um, you know, keep in touch or they want to watch your videos and all of that. What's the best way to get in contact with you and, and for them to, you know, basically see everything you've got going on? Yeah, well, I actually recently just changed all of my at names. Um, I retired the Funshell 18 one that was my at name for years, but um, I'm at Aaliyah Funshell on Instagram. I do TikTok now. Um, or, or also Sports with Aaliyah. I have an Instagram and Facebook page. And then Twitter at Aaliyah Fun. Um, they didn't have enough characters for Aaliyah Funshell, which is <laughs> sad. But Aaliyah Fun it is. Um, but that's where you can find me. If you just type in my name literally on any social media platform, you'll be able to find me. So I'm not, my name's pretty unique. I'm not hard to find. And then your website is just sportswithalia.com. Is that right? Yep. My website and my YouTube is also sportswithalia.com. So um, I'm everywhere. <laughs> Very cool. Are there, uh, is there anything big you're working on right now or anything that you want to, you want to tease or, or promote? Um, I'm kind of like now readjusting to knowing that I'll be in Wichita next semester as well. Um, grad school is very hard, but what do I, I obviously should have expected it. It's Columbia, but um, I'm also, I have a few applications out there for some really big teams and big internships and jobs. So I'm kind of waiting to hear back on that, but also just trying to find new ways to create content. I do a weekly show called Empower Women in Sports Wednesday. Um, So just kind of trying to get creative and um, see what my next move is because I think it's changed so many times since I've graduated college. So we'll see, but I'm still in grad school. So that's been a lot of fun, but I have a few things up my sleeve that I'll try to get worked out soon. That's awesome. I had a chance to watch your, uh, your vlog about the Buddy Heald uh, Jersey retirement uh, ceremony at sunrise. That was pretty awesome. Um, great to see a guy like Buddy come back to Wichita. I'm sure that was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And um, just I'm, I'm glad to be back in Wichita and to be staying here for a little bit longer because I have such good relationships with Sunrise Christian Academy or the Wichita Wings or literally any team. So I guess it is a blessing in disguise because I get to do some extra things like I did with Sunrise or with some other teams in town. Well, very cool. You're going to do, you know, big things. You already are doing big things. You're going to continue to do, um, you know, just incredible, awesome things in the world of sports. And uh, we would, we would love it if you came back on the podcast sometime. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'd love to, especially under happier circumstances. I'd I'd love to come up anytime you need me. I can talk for hours. So whenever you need me, let me know. Now, Aaliyah, did I catch before the podcast that you're a Knicks fan? Is that what I was hearing? (laughs) Yeah, I'm a a huge Knicks fan. I'm actually from New York, um, but we moved here when I was little. But 
grew up a Knicks fan. Okay, so Tommy, go ahead and get the hot take horn ready because I'm ready. I'm telling you, there are going to be a significant, well, seven teams in particular that are going to be disappointed that they skipped out on Obi Toppin. I think that is a fantastic pick. I think teams are overthinking that. I, I don't know why. For, I mean, the production, the metrics for him are off the charts. I think it's a fantastic pick for the Knicks. Now, I don't know how that gels with RJ Barrett, but uh, I think I'll be excited to. I think the Knicks did the right oh. thing taking Obi. Oh, 100%. I can't wait to watch him with RJ. Um, it was so fun watching my dad watch the draft because I don't think anyone expected Obi to look be looked over for that many rounds or for that many picks. So right. I was just like, what is going on? It was even more exciting watching my dad because he's the biggest <laughs> Knicks fan I know. He's like what got me into sports in the first place. So it was right. so fun watching him. And if he's happy, that's how you know it's, it's going to be good. I'm excited. It's <laughs> good to know. Ain't no stopping Obi Toppin. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to hit that hot take horn because I actually agree with that take. I Good. think that's a great pick for the Knicks for sure. Uh, hey, Aaliyah, thank you again so much for being on the podcast. And uh, like I said before, we'd love to have you back. And uh, just best wishes moving forward. And uh, again, thanks for being on. That's Aaliyah Funchell with SportsFromAaliyah.com joining us here on Keeper of the Games. Really great to have her on. And uh, her knowledge of Shocker basketball is uh, immense and, and getting her insight and everything was pretty awesome. Uh, speaking of, sh- of shocker basketball and former shocker players, we're recording this as the NBA draft is going on. And Weston, you've got some breaking news regarding a former shocker star. Yeah, so the Clippers are sending Landry Shamit to the Nets in exchange for Luke Kennard, and it looks like the number 19 pick. Uh, so uh, obviously some pretty lofty um, evaluations for Landry Shamit there as he heads to Brooklyn to play with uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, I don't know a lot about the NBA, don't follow it super closely, but it does sound like what uh, what's building there in Brooklyn um, is pretty big, you know, with the the talk that James Harden uh, could very well end up there. And now obviously Landry Shamit, uh, you know, is going there to play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Um, that's that's pretty big news for the former Shocker star. Yeah, no, absolutely. It should be a good opportunity for him to to really f- fill a role for a team that, you know, you'd think regardless of whether they get hardened or not, you know, has a good chance to compete for an NBA title next year. So good. That's probably a pretty good landing spot for for Landry. The other uh, shocker, I guess not really shocker basketball news, but Wichita college basketball news is that everybody in the city was waiting with anticipation for March Madness 2021 when Wichita would be a host site for uh, the NCAA basketball tournament, just like Wichita. Wichita State was back in 2018. Unfortunately, earlier this week, the announcement was made uh, that, that will not be happening. That as of right now, the NCAA tournament will be held uh, in one singular site in Indianapolis, which will mean that host cities around the country, including Wichita and Interest Bank Arena, will not be a host site in 2021. However, Wichita is still on the list for 2025 for the first and second rounds. Obviously a disappointing story, disappointing news, but probably not all that unexpected, right? No, I mean, I, you know, I think that's obviously the, the better, the easier it is, it will be more easy for the NCAA. I really botched that. It'll be easier for the NCAA to streamline, you know, this tournament, if it's, it's at one host site as opposed to all over the place. So I think everybody was kind of expecting it. I think even though as we're, you know, maybe thinking we're looking towards the end of this pandemic, I think it's still the smart move. Do it now, get it set up and then, and then kind of reset, you know, again in 2022. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not sure if you, do you still have me? Can you still hear what I'm saying? I, yep, I got you, Tommy. Okay. I'm not. I, I, Sounds good. I lost my video. So hopefully I'm going to try to get that back uh, here in just a second. But uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a bummer that, uh, you know, Wichita will not be a host site for uh, the NCAA tournament. I'm really excited to move on to our next topic. And we're away from college basketball talking about uh, NFL football now and the Kansas City Chiefs, because this week is a big week, Weston. We're going in to Raider week. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs were on a bye this previous weekend, uh, but now they're going to be heading toward uh, Las Vegas for that big primetime matchup on Sunday night. And there's a lot of drama going on leading up to this game, especially involving the head coaches, Andy Reid and John Gruden. You probably know more about it than than I do. Um, and so if our listeners have been living under a rock and they don't know what's going on between these two, um, maybe you could explain it. You probably know it better than I do. Yeah, so I mean, basically, after uh, I almost said Oakland, the Raiders came into Kansas City in God, I think that was Week Four, and beat beat the Chiefs. Um, the word on the street was, or there were people saying that the Raiders in their buses took a victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium. Um, obviously, you know that being uh, the first time the Raiders had won in, in Arrowhead, and in, in I think. I want to say it was seven years, but I'm not sure, but quite a while. Um, obviously, the Raiders just had not beat the Chiefs, you know, in general, regardless of location in a while. So they took that little victory lap. There wasn't a lot more information given about it. Well, obviously, as Chiefs Raiders week is upon us, uh, the reporters asked John Gruden about that, to which he uh, was pretty, I don't know, snarky with the reporter. And he added, he added that uh, he didn't, he's like, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't know if that was, if that, if that's what it was, he, he made some weird comment about maybe the bus driver made a snide remark to them. So he made the, they made the bus driver drive around Arrowhead I mean, it didn't even make any sense. And he ended it with next question. Um, so obviously he wasn't, I, I don't know what happened with that, but he was, didn't enjoy the question, but then, which I don't know if you saw this, Tommy. Um, well, let me say Andy Reid, of course, asked about it, pretty much played it down. You know, it's just said, well, that's not something we do, but we're not worried about it. But um, I don't know if you saw the interview. Max Crosby was on Colin Coward, I think it was. And he pretty much admitted, yeah, they took the, the I mean, they took a victory lap. He said they didn't, the players didn't know they were doing it, but they did it. Um, and he referred to it as a victory lap, not any type of, Oh, some bus driver was making some comment to us. Uh, so I don't know about Gruden, but I, you know, this is one of those things where often, you know, I kind of laugh, think oh, the media, the fans play up, play into these kind of things more than the, the players are, are really paying attention to. I don't know if that's the case here. I mean, the Raiders chiefs rivalry goes back deep and to do a victory lap around the reigning Super Bowl stadium, you know, in their hometown, I think the Chiefs are going to be fired up about this. I really, really do. Um, and we're going to get to predictions, but I think uh, there's going to be some serious uh, bulletin board type uh, chippiness and um, I don't know, zestfulness of the Chiefs when they're scoring. And I I think this game is, is going to be a fun one to watch. I just think that, you know, John Gruden probably could have come up with a better excuse. Like it's it's kind of a lame, a lame way to explain it because like logic would tell me, you know, he made the comment that the bus driver said something, you know, smart ass. 
So what, then the Raiders made him drive around? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I think simply what happened, and you alluded to it, was they won. They And I'll be honest, back in week five, you know, I, I know you watched that game, so did I. The Raiders wanted to win more. The Raiders played a better football game. The Raiders just, they, they were the better football team on that day. They wanted to celebrate it. They wanted to take a victory lap. If I'm John Gruden, own that. Like, own the fact that, that that's what you wanted to do. Um, instead of trying to make some lame lie about it, that doesn't make any sense. But I absolutely agree with you that this is going to fire up the Chiefs for sure. Um, you know, Andy Reid is 99.9% of the time unflappable, right? He doesn't uh, doesn't really let things get to him. Um, and the fact that he even referenced it in the first place, the fact that he even that he even entertained the idea that something like this, I don't want to say bothered him, but he noticed it, right? And the team noticed it. And, you know, it's something that, you know, he had to be, you know, put on the record by saying, look, that's just not something that we do. I think that speaks volumes because a lot of times Andy Reid doesn't speak to things that are outside of the actual game of play. And he he tries to walk that tightrope, you know, where he's not um, you know, he, he's not, um, you know, saying anything negative about another team or another coach or anything like that. So I think that speaks volumes to what's actually going on here. I do too. And, and so I, I can't hold back my prediction now. I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm making my prediction, get that hot torn. I think the chiefs hang 50, 50 on the, on the Raiders. And I actually, I think it'll be 56, um, on the Raiders in Las Vegas. And I think in two reasons, I, 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 there's no way for me to prove this, but I was ready to come on this podcast and, and make this prediction uh, earlier today, yesterday. Now, obviously, the second part to the uh, drama that is, you know, unfolding before the Chiefs Raiders game is apparently the pretty much the entire Raiders defense is on the COVID list right yeah. now. It sounds it sounds like you know uh, one player, um, Cleland Farrell. It tested positive, so pretty much everybody had to quarantine. Everybody could be back, but they essentially won't be able to practice this week. I think that's very significant. I think you've got a disgruntled Kansas City Chiefs. I think you've got a coach who doesn't normally get pissed, who is a little bit pissed and is willing to keep the throttle down when he otherwise wouldn't. And then you've got a bad Raiders defense who's not going to practice all week. I mean, I think you are setting up for an absolute, you know, just smashing uh, this week in, in Las Vegas. And let's talk about the fact too, that these are the defending Super Bowl champions and the fact that the Raiders have already beat them once. And, you know, if Andy Reid hates anything, he hates losing to division opponents. And he especially hates being swept by division opponents. And so that's something that I guarantee you, as soon as the Raiders left Arrowhead Stadium in week five, that Andy Reid circled the trip to Las Vegas on the calendar. And I guarantee you that Patrick Mahomes, I guarantee you every player, you know, said, we are not going to get swept by these guys. We already let them come into our house. They were the better football team. They won the game. Now it's time to repay the favor and go out to Las Vegas and actually lay one on them. So do I think that the chiefs will lay 56 on the Raiders? I don't know if it's going to be quite that much, but I, 56. but I think I really do think that Kansas City will win by a healthy margin. You know, I know the Raiders are an improved football team. They're better. 
Um, they've won some some good games over the last few weeks, and they're inching closer, you know, to the Chiefs in the AFC West standings. Um, but this game, number one, it's got stakes now because of where the standings are, and number two, it's got bulletin board material, and the Chiefs are coming off a home loss to their division rival. This is probably the most motivation up to this point this season that Kansas City has had. So I think they're going to win. I think they'll win by three touchdowns. I don't think they're going to put up 56, um, you know, because then that would mean that the Raiders are going to put up, you know, a score in the in the 30s. Uh, but I think it's going to be more like a, I don't know, a 42-21 victory for Kansas City in uh, in Las Vegas is my prediction. Yeah, I'm I'm sticking sticking with 5638 is what is what I was thinking before I came on here. But the other thing too, I think to add to this, you know, this is a little bit of fuel for the fire for the Chiefs. Remember the very beginning of the season? I don't remember what game it was now. Uh, it might have even been week one. But remember when Patrick Mahomes was listed as number five on the top 100 yeah. NFL players list? He threw all those touchdown passes, and you saw him go on the sideline one, two, three, four, started counting it on his hand. Or maybe I guess he was, it was number four, right? Um, and it's just like, you know, that kind of stuff fuels him. It, it really does. And I think this is going to be something that fuels him as well. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be, I think the the Raiders are going to be, I just don't see how they were going to stop the chiefs with their, with their, the way they're as bad as their defense has been over the last few weeks. And then you add in the fact that they can't practice this week. You know, I think that's a, that's a disaster. Um, and particularly, and I mean, of the one person who will be out the, the you know, Cleveland Farrell having the, the COVID test if you remember in week four the way they disrupted the chiefs was by not bringing pressure but that their actual front four were just able to get to patrick mahomes without having to add that extra you know blitz package to run those stunts they didn't have to do that um you know they're they've got one of their better pass rushers out this week and you know who knows with with anybody else so i just think that it's going to be a ton of points um and yeah, sticking with my 56. The biggest question mark in my mind in this game is what the Chiefs run defense will look like against Josh Jacobs. Um, you know, the, the Chiefs haven't played in a couple of weeks. Um, their last time out, obviously, they were playing against Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, McCaffrey kind of had his way with the Chiefs run defense. Um, that's been a question mark all season. Josh Jacobs has had success. Um, you know, especially in the last couple of weeks, you know, I know that he had, I think he had over a hundred yards rushing against Denver last weekend. So that's going to be the biggest question mark about whether or not the Raiders can hang with the chiefs. Now, if the chiefs are able to jump out to a big lead, you know, then the Raiders are going to have to abandon the run game and you're going to have to put it in Derek Carr's hands and there goes Josh Jacobs. So that, that might be the way to sort of alleviate a little bit of that. Uh, but definitely the the question mark that, that I have going into this game, but, but again, yeah, the motivation that Kansas city has, I would be absolutely shocked if they leave Las Vegas without a convincing victory against John Gruden and the Raiders. I would be absolutely shocked if that happened. Yeah, no, I, I think you nailed it though. I, I mean, I really think uh, going back to Josh Jacobs, I think game script, I know, I know I have probably used that word too many times in this podcast. People are sick of it, but I mean, truly that, that is right. Right. I mean, if the chiefs get out to an early lead and, and we all, I think are expecting that, or at least going to be putting points on the board, the Raiders just aren't going to be able to utilize Josh Jacobs in the, in the way that they want to. But on the flip side, that's the way teams ha- another way the teams have had success against the Chiefs is ball control. You know, grinding it out, going three yards a pop with Josh Jacobs, taking a you know a ten minute drive their first possession, you know, and hoping to just keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. And that's really the, the way to go. It so that would be the flip side. But I I 
I really think, especially as I've already made my prediction, that game script is going to take Josh Jacobs out of this game. Well, it's a primetime game, Sunday Night Football this Sunday. Uh, the Chiefs come back from their bye week with a record of 8-1. and one. The Raiders are 6-3, and three, so there's a lot of motivation there for the Raiders, too, to get another win you know, and, and be able to gain another full game on Kansas City with a victory. That would only put them one game behind in the AFC West. So there are some stakes going into this uh, this game. And, you know, it's funny. We've talked quite a bit on this program as the season has progressed about how you, we kind of are looking past the AFC West. We're looking at the other teams in the AFC, uh, but the, the Raiders have quietly put together a pretty good season at six and three. So a lot of motivation there for both teams on Sunday. The other quick chiefs note before we move on, we alluded to this a few months ago when there were sources that were reporting this was going to happen. It's official now. Andy Reid and Brett Veach have both signed contract extensions to remain with the Chiefs. It goes back to what Weston, you and I have talked about over and over on this podcast, the continuity, the culture, building that dynasty, keeping the guys at the helm around for another several years. Um, It leads me to believe that Andy Reid is fully content to retire as a Kansas City Chief. Yeah, no, I absolutely do. And I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, I... And maybe this isn't some big thought, but I guess as a lifelong Chiefs fan, you know, I just thought, boy, I mean, Andy Reid, he's going to go into the Hall of Fame as a Chief, isn't he? I mean, I guess he won the Super Bowl. Maybe that sealed it right then and there. Um, But, you know, I think a lot of people outside of Kansas City, you know, think of Andy Reid first kind of in his Philadelphia days. You know, I mean, he spent so, so so much of his career there and really kind of is, you know, obviously it's just been the last, what, eight seasons, seven seasons? Yeah, Kansas City, yeah. maybe not that long, um, but he's going to I mean, he's going to retire as a chief, I think. And I think he's certainly going to go into Canton uh, wearing, wearing that red hat and maybe that uh, that uh, cloudy face visor that he's worn a couple games. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely correct. I mean, that's just a huge deal as far as getting that culture there, you know, and keeping it complete. You know, it's it's kind of funny because, you know, I didn't realize this, that Andy Reid, I mean, we know he's won a lot of games in Kansas City, but I didn't realize he's won 70% of his games while he's been the head coach of the Chiefs. I mean, that number is just insane. Like, I would have thought he would have won, I don't know, somewhere in the 60%, but not 70%. That's pretty impressive. He's 85 and 36 with the Chiefs, which the thing that we've only lost 36 games since he took over in 2013 <laughs> is, is just bizarre. Right. Especially knowing the, you know, the struggles we had between Dick Vermeil and Andy Reid, yeah. the, the carousel of coaches and and just absolutely abysmal seasons that we had during that time frame. Um, so, it you know, it's nice to have that stability and and really, you know, I think a lot of maybe a lot of fans kind of focus on Andy Reid, but really Brett Veach. I think extending him, I think, is probably one of the more important things. That's where you, well, that's how you build a dynasty, and that's how you build that certainty even beyond the Andy Reid years. Because Brett Veach and Patrick Mahomes are still going to be in Kansas City, and folks want to, want to gravitate to that. And you know, I, I guess one more quick side note then on the Chiefs too. The, I don't know if you saw Tommy, but the Chiefs signed DeAndre Baker, who yeah. was. Uh, the Giants' first-round pick uh, just last year, or tw- yeah, just last year, um, after his whole debacle. Um, but you know, probably had—I'm sure he had about ten teams after him. And that's the Patrick Mahomes effect. That's the Andy Reid effect. Is that he chose to sign with Kansas City, 
take a spot on the practice squad just to get get him up to speed and then come play here as opposed to I'm sure he had probably more money and, and more offers elsewhere. So that that's the kind of effect signing these guys long term and, and keeping Patrick Holmes Kansas City does. And we've talked quite a bit about how the Chiefs could use some secondary help and DeAndre Baker is, you know, definitely a playmaker and, and can do that for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was Sam Mellinger from the Kansas City Star that tweeted when they signed DeAndre Baker, something about how Patrick Mahomes has flipped the reality of the NFL so much that now the Chiefs pretty much have first right of refusal. Yeah, on, yeah, that was Sam. Anybody that is available out there. That's kind of the way that it works now in Kansas City. It's kind of an abundance of, of, of riches uh, for sure with the Chiefs, and that continues with Andy Reid and Brett Veach. Let's get into college football here very quickly on Keeper of the Games. Just a quick side note. There's really not a whole lot to talk about here other than word came down on Wednesday that the Kansas Jayhawks and Texas Longhorns will not be playing their football game on Saturday due to COVID-19. That game is going to be postponed uh, and it's been rescheduled for December the 12th. No time or TV designation yet, um, but definitely uh, you know something that the whole world is experiencing right now and us and you know, all of us in, in, in this country are experiencing the, the surge in COVID-19 cases. And uh, it looks like there's at least one position group at Kansas that is dealing with an outbreak and contract tracing and then just injuries and they don't have enough people to be able to uh, to play that game on Saturday. You know, I kind of wish we had Blake Cripps on this episode. Just go ahead and assert him ranting about how Kansas football doesn't deserve to be playing anyways. And this is this is actually justice for the Big 12 to not have putting that product out on the field. I mean, I'm just assuming those are the kind of things Blake Cripps would have been saying had we had yes. him on today's episode. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> what he would have been saying for sure. And, uh, you know, I guess the, the silver lining is that at least we know that Kansas will not lose this weekend, uh, <laughs> that's right. which is good. The other big game, and this is a, a much, much, much bigger game. Uh, for sure, is the Kansas State Wildcats. They will be in action on Saturday on the road, taking on number 17, Iowa State. The the Wildcats are one game back in the Big 12 right now with a record of 4-2, and two, and they're one game behind Iowa State, who is 5-1. The Wildcats are not out of the Big 12 race at all, but they need to get this win on Saturday on the road against Iowa State. What are your thoughts going into this matchup? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Farmageddon is always one of the uh, fun matchups in the Big 12. And and you certainly, you know, obviously it's a it's a I mean, this is, goes without saying, but it's a big game for Kansas State. You know, if they want to have an opportunity to win the Big 12, it pretty much comes down to this week. I mean, if you don't beat Iowa State, you're out of it. So, um, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of running the football from both teams, which I, you know, I think is, I, I think they've both, I think both sides have, have found a way to make running the football a little bit more exciting, but uh, a lot of talent. I think Iowa State's a very, very good football team. So it would be a great win for Kansas state aside from the, the obvious of, of chasing the big 12. Yeah. The one thing that, uh, you know, Kansas state is really going to have to focus on, and this is a, a huge thing is that Iowa state probably has the best running back in college football, well, at least one of them in Brees Hall, who is a Wichita guy. Uh, right. Brees Hall has hit the 100-yard mark in every game, uh, and he hit 1,000 yards last weekend when uh, the Cyclones played Baylor. Um, that's one area where Iowa State is playing extremely great football, and that's the running game. So uh, the Wildcats are going to have their work cut out for them defensively. 
you know, they, they've got, you know, some, some other weapons for sure, but really what they do is they run Brees Hall. They control the clock. They've got good defense. Uh, it's really that running game. And so um, that's really what the Wildcats, you know, they've got their work cut out for them there, but if they can somehow try to find a way to control and contain Brees Hall, then I think the Wildcats might have a shot in this game. Oh, sorry. I think you didn't have me there. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 have you seen what the line is? I mean, I certainly think that this is, to me, this is a, a toss-up type game. <clears throat> A toss-up type game, and it definitely, uh, you know, we kind of talked about with the Chiefs and the Raiders, you know, potentially one of the ways to beat the Chiefs is ball control. I think you have two teams here in Iowa State and Kansas State um, that both want to control the ball, and so I think efficiency, obviously in the red zone, becomes just so important in, in, in which team can really capitalize when they have those opportunities because I think it's going to be limited by both teams really controlling the ball and, and the possessions being limited by that running by both teams running games. Yeah, no, without a doubt, the game is at three o'clock central time on Saturday, Kansas state travels to Iowa state. I think the line right now is what Iowa state by 11. Isn't that what it is? Really? I, I did not see that. And I'm fairly surprised to be honest. Yeah, with you. I believe that at least last I looked, it was the, the spread was 11. Um, and so I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Kansas state uh, cover that. I, I, I think that it might be a touchdown game. Obviously if Brees Hall gets going, you know, and runs wild, it's, it, it won't be that close, but uh, I don't know. I think the Wildcats have a chance if they can stick to that game plan and do what they can to at least contain Brees Hall uh, up in Ames. That game is coming up on Saturday. All right, let's go ahead and get into our Wichita whip around here on Keeper of the Games. And we want to start uh, just by talking very briefly before we get into the college football world. Uh, this is something that just came down uh, in the last couple of days. In fact, actually just today, uh, the executive board of the Kansas State High School Activities Association, Keisha, they voted on Wednesday to delay the start of the winter sports season to January 15th. Um, so they're recommending that right now um, where, you know, the winter sports like basketball will be postponed. The proposal also excludes fans from watching games. Uh, and then at least for the first couple of weeks, masks are going to be mandatory as well. It would also reduce the basketball season to 13 games, bowling to eight matches, swimming and diving to six per athlete and wrestling to 12 events. So teams will be able to practice until right before Christmas, uh, but then they wouldn't actually start the season until January 15th. So a little bit of a delay here. So the executive board approved that proposal. Now it's going to go to a special board of directors meeting uh, next week to see if that's actually going to be happening. So uh, it could very well be that at least winter sports around the state and in Wichita could be delayed until the 15th of January. Yeah, it's un I think it's really unfortunate that it, it, it actually sh could shorten the season. I mean, cut off the number of games and that they can't figure out a way to kind of smush all those games in there. But if, I mean, from a moving it back standpoint, I, I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, I, I tread lightly when I make these comments because I know obviously this virus, unfortunately, has become pretty politicized. But, you know, we are right on the edge of having, uh, you know, a vaccine. And, and we really, I don't think any of us know what that looks like. I mean, is it a, a get it and the world kind of unlocks a little bit, you know, or is it a, hey, yeah, we have it. It's going to go in small doses and waves and, and no, we're not going to be ready and, and expect that in January, high school basketball players need to be going through all the same protocols or, 
you know, we're potentially looking at, hey, you know, we're back to 80% normal life. And the fact that we push it back to January now allows really those athletes to enjoy, I think, their season much more, uh, even if it comes at the cost of, you know, two or three games out of the actual schedule. Yeah, it's so hard to tell, you know, about what the next couple of months are going to look like. I mean, it's been hard to tell that since the very beginning of the pandemic, right? But especially now, like you said, a vaccine hopefully is around the corner. And, you know, as this virus goes on, obviously we're seeing a surge of cases, uh, but also we're, you know, we're seeing some, you know, opportunities for more rapid testing and more available testing and things like that. So I'd like to think, and this might be Pollyanna, uh, Polly, Pollyanna of me to think this, but I'd like to think that we're maybe close to turning it around. I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think so. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, uh, th- that's kind of where we're at right now with winter sports uh, around the state. So no guarantees on anything, but we do know that next week, the board of directors for Keisha will vote on whether or not to delay the beginning of the winter sports season. We've been talking about Wichita area high school football for a number of weeks now, especially as we've gotten into the playoffs. And this week is no exception. We want to make sure that we talk about what's going on in the world of high school football playoffs. Last week, sectionals occurred and for some of the teams in our area uh, there were some really good results so derby they took down lawrence by a score of 40 to 20 in the sectional round lawrence was the the top ranked team in 6a this was derby's first road playoff game in three years and they went to lawrence they won that game 40 to 20 obviously you and i weston have talked quite a bit on this program about the adversity that derby has had throughout the course of the season but they definitely looked like a team that belonged in substate after that victory in lawrence on friday yeah, it's hard to make a statement win in the playoffs because every win is a statement, but that kind of feels like a statement win as they're as they're trying to close out this uh, state championship run. Yeah, so again, they took down Lawrence by a score of 40 to 20 in the sectional round. They will face Junction City in substate uh, in 6A. Uh, so that's definitely a game to uh, keep our eyes on this weekend. And then in 5A, this is going to be just an insane matchup. And I want to tell you that matchup in just a second, but I'll tell you how we got to this matchup here right now. Wichita Northwest, they beat Cape and Mount Carmel, ending Cape and season, which was kind of a, a dream season. We talked about that uh, great rebuilding year for Weston Sharks at Cape and, uh, but that comes to an end as Northwest gets the victory 26 to 14 uh, last week in the sectional round. And then Bishop Carroll handed Mays uh, a loss in the sectional round by a score of 49 uh, to 35. And, you know, so Northwest, that was the first time they had played Capen in in 2020. They got the victory there and Mays only lost for the second time this season. So what that sets up is a matchup between Wichita Northwest and Bishop Carroll probably the two top teams in the city league, they get a chance to play each other this season in the substate round. Which is a lot of fun because those, those are two high schools that are in Northwest Wichita. So yeah, I'm sure you've got a lot of kids uh, that are on that Northwest football team that are bumping in and running into the guys on that Bishop Carroll team. Uh, so that does create for a, a pretty you know energizing environment and I think that'll be a heck of a game. Yeah, it will for sure. So I guess you can call that what the Battle of Tyler Road. You know, between uh, <laughs> right. between Northwest and, and Bishop Carroll, uh, that's just going right. to be it's going to be a, a, such a great game, just a, a fun game uh, for those two teams for sure as they're facing off against one another. Uh, definitely, the top echelon of the City League uh, will be happening this weekend between Bishop Carroll and Northwest, and I. 
can only imagine who you're rooting for uh, in this coming game. That's right. Well, you know, I've said it a hundred times over. I, my always rooting for my guy, Mark Marinelli over there at uh, Northwest. So definitely pulling for them to, to take down Bishop Carroll. In 4A, the closest teams to Wichita that are playing uh, in sub-state against one another, Arkansas City travels to play McPherson uh, on on uh, Friday. Uh, so that's the, the, the sub-state game in 4A. And then in 3A, we talked about it. We telegraphed it last week about how crazy it would be to see an Andale collegiate matchup. That's what we're going to see this weekend as collegiate. They were able to beat Southeast of Celine last weekend. Final score of that game. Uh, I don't have the final score of that game. Do you know the final score of that game with collegiate and Southeast of Celine? <laughs> oh, I, I also it. don't okay. have so it. looks like, okay. So, uh, 27-22 was the final score there. Collegiate beat Southeast of Saline. Collegiate was actually down in the fourth quarter by a uh, score of 22-21, and they were able to score a late touchdown uh, to win the game 27-22 against Southeast of Saline. That uh, that leads to that big matchup between Andel and Collegiate. Obviously, you're an Andel guy, but uh, that's going to be a fun game to watch between those two teams. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know anything about collegiate style of play, but Andale is going to run that football right, right down the middle, and uh, I think it should be. I, I would certainly think that the Indians should be posed for hopefully a repeat run. So I, it'll be fun to watch play uh, collegiate. And then shout out to a couple of teams in the smaller, uh, the smaller classes. So in two A, Hoisington takes on Beloit. I know neither one of those schools are close to Wichita, but. Um, you know, shout out to them for sure. And then in 1A, um, the, the only team that is even relatively close to Wichita is Inman, and they are taking on Oakley. That's 1A football, uh, which is still obviously bigger than uh, than, than 8-man, uh, but uh, 1A, so Inman, which is around the Hutchinson-McPherson area, uh, they're on the road taking on Oakley. So, so definitely some big sub-state matchups happening this weekend. And, you know, I'm sure I speak for both of us when I say hopefully – these teams are able to get all the way through the playoffs before something else happens with COVID-19. They've gotten this far. They've gotten to substate. We've only got a couple of weeks left. Hopefully they're able to actually complete the entire playoff run. Yeah. And th at this point, hopefully, you know, we, they're, they're uh, looking back on what the football season has had. And it, it seems like there hasn't been a lot of, of COVID from the actual playing of games and it's outdoors. So hopefully they can, even if they have to make some changes, they can get the games actually played and get all the way through to, to a state champion. Well, that's our Wichita whip around here on Keeper of the Games, and we'll make sure to keep you updated on the substate results on our next episode. Let's get into our finally funny here to wrap up the program. It's uh, it's all about our favorite chief or one of our favorite chiefs, I guess. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is up there, but it's hard to not like Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. Uh, obviously, he's setting out this season not playing, and, and this isn't the funny part. I mean, obviously, he's working very, very, very hard on the front lines, battling the pandemic. He decided to set up the season so we could actually go back and and help people in Canada um, you know as they're recovering from the disease or those that have been afflicted by it but it is a little bit amusing as we found out that uh, his some of his attire his medical outfit is actually in the Pro Football Hall of Fame your thoughts on that yeah, uh, it, I don't know. It's just, it, you know, I think that's kind of fun. Again, it, you're right. Like, we're not making fun of him for doing what he's doing, but it's funny to think that there's going to be a pair of scrubs, you know, in Can in Canton, Ohio, enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame along with his lab coat. So uh, that's really fun and really cool for, for LDT to 
be recognized, you know, for something, and especially for a player who probably won't wind up in in the the you know the football hall of fame for any other reason. So. Uh, just a really, really cool story, I think, all the way around. Yeah, it, it's pretty awesome. I mean, you look at that picture, what's on display in Canton. He's got, you know, his his lab coat. He's got his scrubs that has the Arrowhead logo on it. Uh, looks like he's he's got an N95 mask or N95 shield, uh, some of that PPE that's there. So basically, you know, it's all there on display. And I think it's it's obviously pretty telling that, you know, this is the world we live in right now, right? I mean, the fact that this is the display that's going to be in Canton right now, just to illustrate what's going on with the pandemic and the fact that you have an NFL player who's also a doctor, you know, who's leaving the team, leaving all this money on the table that he would make and leaving a starting role on the offensive line for the Chiefs. And nobody's blaming him for it. Nobody's criticizing him for it because he's going and and, and doing something more important than playing football. Um, again, it's not funny. It is a little amusing. You've got a lab coat and scrubs in Canton, but overall yeah. the, the whole the whole thing is incredibly inspiring. And um, I can't wait for this pandemic to be over with for a number of reasons, but also to get LDT back in Kansas City, back playing football. Um, And I can only imagine the ovation he's going to get when that happens. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think he was uh, quickly becoming a fan favorite as much as an offensive lineman can, and, you know, and this is only going to elevate that. So getting him back at Arrowhead will be great. And I, I do kind of feel like, it, you know, having those scrubs and stuff in, in, in Canton, it's, it's kind of fitting, right? Because, you know, I know that once we get past this, I think I'm going to be ready to just move on, not think about it. And then it's one of those things where, you know, uh, years down the road or however long each individual takes, you're going to want to come back and look at it like, Oh my gosh, I remember that. That's incredible that, you know, so it's kind of the perfect place. And, and that's kind of the crossroads I think of, you know, us putting this in the fine, the finally funny. And, and yet it just being like, Hey, there's, there's some humor to it. There's, you know, there's some heart warmth to it. And, and there's just some, you know, amazingness to it all, all the way around. So just real cool story for, uh, for Dr. Lauren, Duvernay Tardif. Yeah, that just shows that that guy is so much more impressive than I will ever be in life. You know, he's an <laughs> NFL player and he's a doctor and I'm not either one of those things. Um, you know, so definitely it's a it shows me how uh, how inferior I guess I am uh, compared to LDT. But uh, but no, that's awesome. That's our finally funny here on Keeper of the Games. Once again, uh, just a special thank you uh, to Aaliyah Funchell. From be, for being on the program here today. Uh, make sure to check her out, her website, sportswithalia.com, uh, and connect with her on social media. Also, she's doing some really great things. And the, you know, the thing that's crazy, Weston, that we didn't even talk about is the fact that, I mean, she mentioned that she's still in grad school. Um, but, you know, I, I know the conversation is how old I am, but how about how young she is and the mark that she's already making in yeah. the sports world? You know, she was she was one of the biggest insiders for Wichita state basketball before she graduated uh, from WSU. So um, already doing some big things and I can't imagine where she's going to go in the future. Yeah. That's the hustle you got to have to break in into the industry and not just uh, break into the industry with a Wichita sports podcast to do it on a much bigger level. Like you can tell she has aspirations to do, you know, you got to have that hustle. I think from day one that she definitely has. Yeah. And it's great that she humbled herself enough to come on our, our lowly little podcast. <laughs> um, so, had- yeah, but, but you know, Tommy, I don't know if you told our listeners, but she was, she was very excited to listen to, you know, old man to come on old man. Tommy's uh, she remembers him from way back when she was a child and he, was on the radio and 
Yeah, that makes me feel incredibly old. Yeah, she did. I mean, if you go to our Twitter exchange, uh, you know, she did say that she used to listen to me when she was a kid on the radio all the time, and that made me feel incredibly old. Uh, thank you for pointing that out again. I really appreciate that. You know, I got to take my shots when I can. Now that I'm, uh, as my dad pointed out, I'm approaching my middle age. I got to attack the guys higher, older than me, I think, to make me think make me feel better about myself. Yeah, we have uh, we, we basically pointed out multiple times about how much of an ageist you are and how you commit ageism <laughs> all the time. Um, let's not forget, everybody, that you're only three years younger than I am. So I'm not that much older than you. But uh, again, that's, you know, the, the facts get in the way of a great story. That's usually the way it works. And we want to <laughs> remind like we want to remind all of you to hit subscribe. That way, anytime we have a brand new episode of the podcast, you'll get a notification. Again, you can listen on major platforms like, uh, like uh, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, all the major ones you can listen to us there. You can also go to our website and listen to archived episodes and watch videos at cogsports.com. That's kogsports.com. Of course, you can follow us on Facebook and YouTube and watch videos there by searching for Keeper of the Games and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at cogpod. That's at kogpod. Weston, what is your Twitter handle? At WMills94. All right. You can follow me at Tweets from Tommy. Uh, next week is Thanksgiving week. I would imagine we'll have a new episode at some point. We haven't really discussed it, but we are getting into the college hoop season. And at some point, I, I think it'd be great for us to do another preview. So uh, we've talked about that. We don't exactly know when that's going to drop. I can't imagine it would actually drop on Thanksgiving, but um, we'll, we'll have more information on that as the weekend and the week goes on for sure. So until next time, for Weston Mills, I'm Tommy Caster. You've been listening to Keeper of the Games. You've been listening to Keeper of the Games with Tommy Caster and Weston Mills. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games and follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod. That's K-O-G-Pod.